Hello, this is Joseph Carlson, and this is episode 129 of Gaming with Grief. And I'm calling this episode the last Campfire Early Impressions episode, I guess. Uh, I just want to remind you guys, though, that this podcast will hit my website, www.gamingwithgrief.com, Monday morning at 7 a.m. So go there, let me know what you think of the show, or you can subscribe to the show on Apple iTunes podcast service or the Google Play Store. Go there, give me the likes, the stars, the subscribes, all that kind of stuff. You can even, uh, you know, write me a review. That'd be great. Also, uh, you can write me a direct email at gwgpodfellows at gmail.com. So go there. Uh, again, let me know what you think of the show, what I can do to improve, stuff like that. Or you can find me on Twitter at JustLittleJoe. And like I say every episode, but I'm terrible at, I will try to get better at promoting this episode. I've actually started pushing out the episode to Facebook, so that way more and more people can listen to the show there. But yeah, so this episode is just about a game that came out several years ago called The Last Campfire. It was developed by Hello Games, the same company that developed No Man's Sky. This is a small independent title. Uh, I think it retails on like the Epic Game Store for about $10. I got it on um, the Apple Arcade app because I'm paying for that. And it was the cheapest way to play a game. I'm also recording this on a new Mac Mini because mine was getting difficult to update. And I was also full up on space. And no matter what I did, no matter what I moved around to an external hard drive, I could not update my Mac Mini. Things would not push out to iTunes. I had to find a workaround the last few episodes and it was getting frustrating. Uh, the Mac Mini was three, four years old. So it was getting, uh, you know, it's kind of past its sell date. So I got a new uh, Mac Mini, and luckily with this one, I'm able to play The Last Campfire on the Mac Mini like a PC game, which I haven't done yet. I've just been playing it on um, my iPad, which I can do, and I thought that was the best way, but after I bought this uh, this new PC, basically this new Mac, I can do it that way, so it might be a little bit better. More screen space is always good, stuff like that. So let's just get into the nuts and bolts of the game. Again, this is my early impressions of The Last Campfire. What I think is really interesting about this game is it follows in the footsteps of Journey um, as far as design. Uh, the characters are basically like small, little, adorable potato sacks. They're in like these blue tunics. Um, and what happens is uh, the game starts out, you are going down a river, and you are basically going with everybody else because you can see that it's starting to get cold. They animate some wind. Uh, everywhere you're basically in these canoes following a group of people that look just like you, but they're in red tunics and different colored tunics. Uh, and they're going in, uh, down this river that looks like it's underground. They go into like an area where they light a fire and a door opens. They go in the door and the door closes. And, and before the door closes, they start this big bonfire. So it appears these people in a way are kind of bat, you know, battening down for the winter. And I thought that was really good. But what it basically sets up is the fact that you um, get separated from people. There's a mistake the door closes before you can get to it. And the whole game so far as I've been playing, again, these are early impressions, is it's the idea that you are trying to get back to these people. But not only that, you're finding uh, creatures like yourself that have passed on. And that's where the grief part comes in, where you see the bones and the clothes that these people are wearing and you feel very sad for them. So whenever you go to touch them, usually near their body is a blue bonfire or a flame. You go to that flame and it basically zooms into a puzzle box that you have to solve. You unlock the flame basically and then go back to the, it zooms out, you go back to the real world and you give the flame to your, um, I guess it'd be your compatriot, your tribe. I don't know what they would be called, but you give it to them, they wake up and then they go away by this uh, fire, this like amphitheater fireplace with, um, this visage of like a grandfather um, 
and he basically tells you story of the land and stuff like that. The I just want to I, I didn't actually get the name I couldn't find the name uh, I researched a little probably could have researched a little more. The narrator is amazing. This is a game based out of the UK, and I believe um, it is uh, I believe she's Irish or Scottish. So I apologize to the people. The few people living in the UK would be like, well, obviously she is this or obviously she's that. But I'll say this much: her voice is amazing. Now I know I'm American. We have a little bit of a bias toward. Um, accents but what i think a lot of people don't talk about and i was thinking about this on a walk today because i was thinking about this episode and how i was going to record it and all this stuff you know i guess as an american i do have a bias towards an accent towards something but what i think is amazing it's not only the accent it's how people use their voice if you understand the tone and timbre of your voice and can uh you know um do narration you know there there is a thing when i read or listen to audiobooks that you really hear, God, this person really isn't suitable for this book. It made me actually walk away from the Wheel of Time series uh, because I didn't really like the narrator for the um, the book. I'm sure he's a good narrator in other books. It just didn't mesh with that, and it seemed, I don't know. But this person who's doing the narration for The Last Campfire is amazing. Her voice and timbre is, uh, it makes it sound like a folklore or a fable that you're hearing while she narrates what you're doing, you feel sad when you run into people that have actually passed on. You're trying to help them. You maybe meet these whimsical creatures like a big frog. There's light puzzle-solving elements like, hey, if you get me this, I'll get you this. You know, you give a guy, a, an old fisherman, a worm who's elderly. He fixes a net you have so you can go take the net to this pond you were at, pick up a key, and you can kind of move on from there. And to me, it is amazing uh, for her to constantly come in and just be incredibly soothing to kind of like tell you what's going on. And um, I know a lot of people aren't fans of narration and games. They think that they're very, you know, maybe they take away, oh, stop telling me what I'm doing, you know, or like, I just did that. Why are you repeating it? But again, the, the tone and timbre of how perfectly she read this and how it was able to kind of give more to the story than just... Um, you know, what you're experiencing and how it gives more context to what you're doing, how she talks about how you feel sad. There's another thing I was thinking about in my walk today. And a lot of stories, a lot of people really come down on the fact, uh, you know, the show versus tell. Don't, 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 t- don't just tell these people how they feel, show how they feel. You know, that's all good. And, and it, it's true that that is a thing, you know, you, you need to show people not tell them. But when someone says, you know, in a beautiful voice, accent or no, says, you know, this person feels sad. And they match that sadness with their voice. I think it can elevate the story into like a next level. And so I really want to see uh, where this goes, how it um, evolves. I don't know the end game yet. I haven't really looked it up. I've heard it's a very short game. It's about four to six hours. Um, And so go do that. Um, Also, uh, I know I said I'm giving early impressions, but this is just an add-on to this. I've been playing the new game to relax with my friends. Uh, It's called Back for Blood. It's on the Xbox uh, Game Pass. Um, it was made by the Turtle Rock, the same people that developed uh, Left 4 Dead back in the day in Left 4 Dead 2. They went off on their own, and now they're making, they made this game. Um, it is fun, but like every multiplayer game, it is fun to play with people that you know. Uh, the menus are sometimes obtuse to get in and out of campaigns. There's only two continues, so if you and your squad wipe you know, towards the end of something, then you have to start all over again. And it's maddening. Uh, I don't understand why that was a thing. And I told the people I was playing with, the only reason I'm doing this is I'm playing with my wife again and my friend and his girlfriend. And they're amazing and it's great to play with. But 
I would not play this game uh, alone, you know, by myself. Uh, my wife said she tried to play, and she was just like, I can only get this far before I got really, really frustrated. And I, I, I get that. I really get, um, you know, how she feels uh, for it. And I, you know, it's good to play with friends. It's good to have a good time, to relax, to have that fellowship you have when you're sitting with people, just making each other laugh, telling jokes, and just being like, what, you know, who did that or who did this, like if something explodes. But I do have this feeling that it's like, you know, if we, if we, if if I was alone, I definitely would not play this game. There's no reason uh, to play this alone. I don't feel that sense of accomplishment. There is a card system in the game that is very, very, very obtuse. Well, not obtuse, but it just seems like you can build things around it. But it seems like because you're in a group, I'm trying to rush to the next thing or rush to the next objective, uh, especially because if you get stuck in... Um, you know, there's four acts in the game. Uh, there's several points to those acts you have to get to. And to get to those acts is such a monumental task that um, it's hard. Like, once you get to the next task, you're like, uh, even my friend last night, we were playing, and he said, you know, I think I'm done. I don't think I want to do this anymore. And I totally get it. I totally understand why he would be like, you know what? I'm, 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 I'm dunzies. I'm done. Um, so that is also my initial impression of... Uh, back for blood and another thing a uh, book related uh i know this is going to sound strange you're like joe why are you talking about all this stuff to be honest i was thinking about the last campfire i have been playing it um that's basically the crux of this episode to give you an impression of that is a great game um it does have that feeling of grief and sadness but also i've been working nights and days and nights and days and my schedule has been all messed up so i've been at home uh trying to uh just sleep get a proper sleep schedule, get everything worked out, and it wasn't really working out. And so what I've been doing is just playing The Last Campfire and playing back for a with my friends. And also I got the shipment of the new Lord of the Rings book that came in with the illustrations from J.R.R. Tolkien that had only been shown, I think, one other time in a museum in the 50s. So these are he, his sketches that have to go along with Lord of the Rings. And um, the little bit that I've seen of them, I'm trying not to ruin it because they're spaced out through the book as you're reading it. Um, and I'm reading the book again because I haven't read it in several years. And uh, the first thing when you open it up is there is a map of Middle Earth, a hand-drawn map that you have to unfold in this really nice paper that is the same black and red style. If you've seen any other, any other editions of the book, um, you've seen that kind of style and that's the way the map is. And there's new introductions to the book on how the illustrations came to be. It shares excerpts of letters that Tolkien wrote to people in his inner circle and outer circle and his uh, friends and family, things like that. And how those things uh, came to be and how he thought. Um, th th there is, in fact, a really funny quote where he never thought he was a good enough illustrator. And after the pictures were published in one of the editions or something, or maybe he showed them to the editor, uh, he said that there was an art critic that said that these are terrible drawings. And he said, the only reason I don't like his review is because I think that he's right. <laughs> and I thought that was pretty amazing. You know, they say you're a worst critic. And he goes, yeah, this guy really nailed it. I don't like his review because he's just spot on, you know. And um, But one thing I will say, there's an amazing uh, thing in there that I didn't realize before. And I guess maybe I had read it in a previous edition. But the idea that paper was so expensive back then after the war or right before the war because it was published in the – well, Hobbes was published in the 30s. This was published in like 40, so like right after the war. Um Paper was expensive, and so he was already wanting to publish it, I think, as one volume, kind of as it sits now in this book that I have, but he had to publish it in parts because it was just expensive to um, 
you know, print everything. And he wanted to include a map in the book is what it sounded like or some of these illustrations. But the publisher, you know, the editor was like, there's no way we can afford that. So there's no way that you can have these things um, be, um, you know, in the book. You just can't afford it. It's Everything's too expensive. It's too much. We're not doing it. So um, there's another thing, too, about how uh, this may have to do with grief a little bit. Uh, he doesn't like allegory. He says that the, the War of the Ring was not an allegory for the first war. And he even mentions that most of his friends, by the time of him writing that, uh, had passed uh, or had dead because he was 19 when he went into World War One. And there's just this very small snippet. And he says, obviously, but he says after that, obviously, a writer's life will glean into the rest of the life. And, or, you know, your feelings and thoughts will glean into your work. And so maybe there is an allegory there, but he says there's, he doesn't believe in allegory. So maybe it's just something he didn't want to point out, but he said it is ever present and it is probably there in the writing somehow. I'm paraphrasing. But I basically, I, I think basically saying I didn't go for an allegory, but it might be there because I'm writing this with my experience in my life and these are the things I experienced. I experienced war. I experienced, you know, my friends dying. I know what it's like when someone I care about dies. And so for him to say that in the book, I read it as like he was anti-allegory and very, I don't know, negative. But reading that passage again, uh, or maybe this is a change passage because they do talk about the several editions, how they cleaned it up through the years. His children worked on cleaning the book up and things like that. Um, maybe this is something that's just more clear in my mind, or I'm looking back in hindsight saying, ah, he had a good point. Uh, you know, uh, he's not going for allegory, but it's just part of his life. So he wasn't trying to be negative. Maybe he was just saying, hey, this is what it is. You know, um, I'm me and I'm right when I went. I didn't go for the war thing, but there is, I'm writing about a great war. So it actually makes me more excited uh, to read the book again with this new context. And like, I'm not one of those people that's looking through all the, um, I don't know, all the problems in the book. And I'm not, uh, you know, someone that can be like, oh, this is a change from the first edition or whatever. I'm not that person. But I am looking forward to sitting down and reading the book again and seeing the illustrations. And I'll probably just touch on that a little bit next week. It uh, doesn't really so much have to do with grief. This, it took a long time for that thing to be published and come out. And so I think it's pretty good. So um, I'm going to finish Last Campfire. I'll talk about that uh, next week. I will have it done. Uh, and then I'll probably give an early impressions of another game uh, I've been playing uh, that has to do with grief. And so um, I think it's going to be a little shorter episode this week, guys, but I've got a new computer and i got to work this out. Uh, I've been trying to run some tests, but um, it's now or never. So I guess with that, I want to remind you guys that this podcast will hit my website, www.gamewithgrief.com Monday morning at 7am please go there, let me know what you think of the show or you could subscribe to the show on the Google Play Store or the Apple iTunes Store so go there, leave me the likes, the subscribes rate me, things like that or you can go to gwgpodfellows at gmail.com go there, let me know what you think of the show what how you heard about the show, what I can do to improve stuff like that and you can find me on Twitter at Just Little Joe. so I guess with that, everybody have a good week and I will talk to you guys again next week